Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to this week's episode of the Believe in Miami Heat podcast. I'm your host, Sean Rochester, and with me as always, the champ, Norris Cole. The champ is here, ladies and gentlemen. Another episode of Believe in Miami Heat. What's up, Sean? It's all good, man. What's going on in your world? Oh, man. Finally starting back to train a little bit, getting back into the rhythm of things, getting the body moving again, getting back on a regular schedule. <laughs> Took about two weeks off, so I needed it after winning the championship. I hear that, man. I was uh, I was in Atlantic City over the weekend for AAU, and uh, I'm trying to catch up to you. So we, we took home a trophy, won our, won our bracket. Congrats. But, uh, a, few, a few trophies, a few medals behind you. So I'll keep working on that maybe at some point. But, uh, you know, I can't be the co-host <laughs> with the champ if I'm not winning too. So He Nation, I got some champs on board. Make sure y'all <laughs> listen to the champs. <laughs> Congratulations right. to you and your team, Sean. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, all right, before we get started, let's talk to our about our sponsor, Bet Online. July is underway. It's a great month for sports. If you're into sports betting, Bet Online is where you can find it. From the NBA to the hockey playoffs to baseball's marquee matchups, including prop bets and futures, Bet Online has all the latest odds, news, information for all your sports betting needs. Visit the website today. Use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next tip off, face off, or pitch, head over to Bet Online and start playing today. Bet online, your sportsbook experts. And one of those events that's going on and is just getting started is the Olympics. So right now we have some trials and exhibitions going on. So we want to talk about the Olympic basketball you know, experience. So talking about USA, but also talking a little bit about Nigeria because there's a, a heat connection there. So let's start with Team USA, Norris. I didn't get to see the Nigeria game, but I did get to see last night's game against mm-hmm. Australia. And both of those games have ended in USA losses, which is not something that we're very accustomed to. So true. What do you, you know, what are you seeing? I mean, what's going on with team USA? I know they're just exhibitions, but there is a lot of uh, panic and reaction to this in the basketball community. What have you seen? Well, one, I've seen the USA go against two teams that have been playing together for a while. The team USA has been together for what, maybe a week. You know, they played against Australia who's been together for close to a decade. Some of those guys, and the same with Nigeria. Those guys have been playing together for years. And so, you know, the FIBA game is different. The FIBA international game is different. It's similar to, like, the EuroLeague game, you know, that I played this past season. And so Team USA is just getting used to the rules. They're getting used to each other. You know, it's, it takes more than talent to, to win, you know, international competition. And, you know, hopefully the, the USA fans are, you know, are being patient. You know, I know we're not patient. Um, hopefully they stay patient because I think I actually think these two losses are going to be good. It's going to be good for our guys in the long run. They'll be able to, you know, focus in and lock in and practice and, you know, communicate better. And that way, when it really counts, you know, we'll we'll bring home the gold. Yeah. And something that you've talked about when when you're explaining the differences between the NBA and European basketball is that no defensive three in the key. And so that you've talked about that extra help and how hard it makes it to get to the basket because your big can just camp out in the paint. Uh, and it really takes away that lane. And, and you've seen that in those first two games where the U S has had a hard time because of the difference in, in defense. The other thing I've noticed a lot is in the NBA, you can get calls, you know, little bumps, little flops here and there. Right. And these, these FIBA rules 
those officials are going the other way as the ball is. They're not, they're not giving those calls. What, what do you see with that? I mean, it's definitely an adjustment for these NBA guys in these first couple of games. Exactly. There's, there's no entitlement calls. You know, sometimes you get those, you know, everybody on Team USA for the most part are, you know, star players in the NBA. So they get the benefit of the doubt. I call it the benefit of the doubt calls. You know, in the international play, that's not always the case. And so, you know, I think the guys are going to adjust. Isolation ball doesn't work as much in the international game because, like, like you just said, the help side doesn't have to move out the key. They can stand at the nail. They can stand at the paint. Two, three guys can stand at the paint and just, you know, wave their arms and be ready to help. And so if you make an off-the-dribble three, you know, good luck doing that for a whole game. That's how the international is. You know, they, 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 they invite you to try to do that. And so we have to, you know, cut, cut more. We have to set good screens and roll more, you know, be a little bit more active off the ball. And I think we will. I think I think our team is intelligent enough. I believe the, our, our coaches are intelligent enough and they will they will do a great job of making the adjustment. Yeah, and I agree with that for sure. The the lack of ball movement in, in the one on one isolation play is frustrating to watch, to be honest. Yeah. Um, you know, last night when Australia was playing, I, I would imagine most of their possessions had four or five passes in the USA. It was one or two passes, like maybe one action and then it was isolation. And so much off the bounce, you know, like you said, without the help having to move, it just seemed like it made it so difficult. And it's not that we lack, we have the best isolation players in the world, you know, I mean, right. our, our roster is loaded with those types of guys, but imagine if the ball moves and you're attacking rotations, you're attacking closeout, second side stuff, it would just make them even more effective if they were getting into those types of situations. Yeah, that's, that's why that's, that's the one part about understanding the different arts of basketball, the different forms of basketball and not just, you know, NBA basketball, you know, in, in, in international basketball, we value cutting to the high post, hitting the high post, being able to backdoor cut, being able to hit the high post, throw it to the high low down on the block. You know, those different things that you don't necessarily see that much of in the NBA game, you know, you're able to see that in the international game. And uh, I think, you know, it's going to take a little bit of reprogramming for our guys to utilize those different parts of the game that maybe they've gotten away from, you know, just because they're so used to playing, you know, NBA style, one or two passes, then ISO. And so do you think when you flip it around to the other side of the floor on defense, is that part of the adjustment also, is that you're used to defending a completely different style of basketball? And now not only is it completely different with the ball movement and the different types of actions that you're having to defend, but you're also playing with guys that you've, you've been in camp with for a week. You know, these guys haven't been playing year after year coming up through these feeder programs like some of these other countries. And so right. the communication, the chemistry, maybe even the mentality of playing defense that, you know, sometimes isn't the highest in the NBA until you get to the playoffs. You think that's where the struggles come for the U.S. on that end? Well, the first thing is, you know, kind of, you know, respecting your opponents. Some of these guys you never heard of. You know, guys that's, like I said, playing in Europe in the Euro League, guys that's playing in, you know, the ACB or the VTB League, you know, or the, the, the Turkish League or in China. You know, guys, some guys, you know, in the Australian, New Zealand basketball league, like a lot of guys you may have never heard of. And so you have to have the the proper, you know, respect for guys that you maybe had never heard of or they might not look like a, you know, NBA athlete, some of these guys. And so you have to respect that part of the game and then you know 
when you're playing against teams that have been together for a while in continuity, they move at a different speed. You know, when you know what your player is going to do, those backdoor cuts and things happen at a different pace. And so you have to really lock in on defense. And, you know, that takes some adjustments because in the NBA, you know, not everybody is live. You know, one or two guys are going to shoot, you know, close to 15 to 20 shots, and then it's going to be spread around. In Europe, everybody, if you don't, if you don't guard, you know, it could be the worst player on the court, but if you don't guard him, he'll shoot the ball and, he, and they'll pass him the ball and he'll score. It's like more equal opportunity offense. And so, yeah, you have to be a little bit more locked in on every single player and every single possession. Yeah, I love that. And it's it's cool to me, and I'm sure to the listeners, we've been talking about a lot of these things for the last two months or so that we've been together, you know, talking about your experiences over in Europe and, mm-hmm. and it's the same themes, you know, the same things we're talking about right now and the adjustments USA is, is seeing in these FIBA games is exactly what you've been t- telling us about your experience over there. It's a different style of basketball. You have to adjust, you know, credit to you. You've talked about this. You feel like you've been able to play an NBA game. You can play the FIBA game. You, you know, pretty much feel like you can go anywhere and play because you can adjust. It's just going to take them time. And, and hopefully that happens once we get into the more serious games, the medal rounds and things like that. Yeah. Long as they have the proper attitude towards it, I believe that we'll adjust. If, if, if we keep a humble attitude and we, you know, work together and don't make light of it, I think we will be fine. Now, if we don't, if we don't have the proper attitude towards it, you know, we, we you know, we can be beat. If, if we don't have the proper respect for the game and the proper attitude towards these losses and address some of those issues that we talked about, you know, you know, it won't be good for us. But I'm confident. I'm rooting with Team USA. I believe we're going to take the gold and, and you know, I'm, I'm going to stick to that. Yeah, I agree. One more thing with Team USA before we transition and talk about some of our uh, Heat players that are on Nigeria. After the loss to Australia, starting off 0-2, it was interesting to me to see a lot of blame pointed towards coach Popovich. And, mm. you know, it's, it's one of those things, you, you know, you take Twitter with you know a little bit of a filter. We know that it can be a crazy place out there sometimes, but his, his role, I mean, he's been with them a week. If, you know, we were coaching college, high school, whatever level, a week of time is not a lot. And, you know, he's, he's only going to have them for roughly a month. You know, it's not a program that they've been together for years. So, you know, how much of a role, I mean, Popovich is important, but like, I don't feel like he's someone you can necessarily blame as who's at fault. I I think collectively, like you said, it's just an adjustment. It's respecting the opponent. It's playing a little bit better and understanding that those teams are are a high quality team. You know, you can't overlook them by any means. Exactly. I mean, these are new guys that he hasn't coached before. It's only been a week. I mean, Popovich coaching pedigree is, you know, (laughs) Is second to none, you know. So I, I, I don't want to place blame on him or do. I don't want to place any blame yet. I mean, this is basketball. This is competitive basketball. No one, no one is guaranteed to win just because they have NBA players on on our team. You know, it, it takes continuity. It takes repetition. It takes film study. It takes those things. You know, it's a process. And right now we're going through that process. Yes, it's a short process for us you know, in the USA, but, you know, it's a process and I believe, you know, I believe in pop and I, and I believe that, you know, he's competent enough to get it done. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, so their first opponent was Nigeria. And on that roster, we have Casey Akpala, we have Gabe Vincent, we have Presh Sachua. And uh, I actually played against some of the guys on Nigeria in, in, in the French league. 
and and there's quite a few names that NBA fans would know. Jaleel Okafor was there. They have they have names of of familiar faces, you know, to the college or NBA fan in America. What did you think, you know, just out of those three guys, you know, that are on the Heat roster, they're they're guys that didn't have huge roles. Um, their their roles in Miami kind of varied as we went through the season with all the injuries and COVID stuff. But um, what did you see out of them, and, and what are you you know thinking forward to Miami? How can that help their role moving into the uh, the next season? Well, one, I saw that they were comfortable. I actually got to see that, you know kind of their real game, their real talents. You know, um, you can tell that they were very comfortable playing. That they, it almost looked like they were more comfortable playing the international game than they were the, the NBA game. That's that's what I really saw the most. Just their their comfort level on the floor. I saw their continuity, and they were able to kind of show what they can do and show why the Heat, you know, had them on the roster. Yeah, I think both KZ and Precious showed really good signs on defense. Gabe Vincent mm-hmm. made six threes against Team USA. You know, he he kind of went up and down with shooting as the season went on. He was a great on ball defender in Miami. He, he, I mean, that's something that he always brought. What do you think about you know Mike Brown is the head coach for Nigeria, and he's on the Warriors staff. Obviously, used to be with the Cavs. So he's, you know, got championship experience in the NBA. When we talked about Pop, now kind of flipping it to him, how do you think he can impact their development or their growth with this experience in the Olympics? Well, I think he's going to help a lot because, one, he has high coaching pedigree. You know, he's coached some of the best players in the world. He's been on some of the top coaching staff in the world. Plus, he can give them advice on how to have longevity. It matters, when, especially when you're a young, inexperienced player, don't have a lot of experience in the NBA. It helps when you have a coach, you know, who does have experience and a coach who's, who's been through the wars and been through Eastern Conference championships, been through Western Conference championships, been through NBA Finals games. You know, he's also had some unsuccessful seasons as well. You know, so that coach can bring a lot of experience to young guys, you know, to so they can know what to prepare for and what to continue to work on as their career, you know, moves forward. Yeah, and I love the idea of having a different voice. You know, not that Eric Spolster and his staff aren't great coaches. We have a we have a blessed with a great coaching staff, but getting Pop to talk to Bam and Tyler Hero with the select team, getting KZ and Gabe and Precious talking with Mike Brown, it, it's only going to benefit them to be listening to great coaches and then bring that back to Miami to build on their game when they're back with Coach Spolster and the staff. Absolutely. Sometimes hearing a different ear, sometimes you, you get numb to hearing the same voice over and over sometimes. It's just human nature. But, you know, when you, when you, get, when you get that advice from a different ear, and that year is a legendary coach as well, because, you know, Spo is a legendary coach as well. So when you're getting multiple legendary coaches coaching you, you know, you can learn a lot from that. Yeah, it's definitely a benefit for the Heat. Uh, so let's move into some a little bit of rumor mill. We, we haven't touched on this too much. We've kind of stayed along the track of uh, the NBA finals and we were talking about your experience in the in the EuroLeague playoffs and championship. And so let's bring it back to the Heat just a little bit. So. I'm going to give you uh, three names that have been kind of the buzz on Heat Twitter over the last week and just kind of talk about what you think as a fit. If it's not a fit, uh, we're not going to get you know too much into who we're trading or anything like that. You know, not too much of a GM move here. We'll leave that to Andy. But Colin Sexton is a name that's brought brought up a lot. Young guard with the Cavs. He's got one year left on his deal. He's going to be a restricted free agent after this year and apparently wants near max or max money to stay with Cleveland and Cleveland doesn't seem willing to pay that. So, you know, you kind of know when you, if you were to trade for this guy, 
that it's going to come with a cost in the next year to keep him as a restricted free agent. What do you think without getting into, you know, who we're going to trade or anything like that, Colin Sexton as a fit for the Miami Heat? He's definitely a player that brings that dog that we like in Heat Nation. You know, you know what I mean? So I believe that he can, I mean, I believe he can be a fit. You know, he's young, he's hungry. You know, I, the business part of it, that's, you know, like you said, that's a whole nother issue. But I believe as a personality and as his style of play, you know, he plays tough. He plays with a high motor. He plays with athleticism. And I think with Spose Tutelich, I think he can be, you know, his career can continue to blossom. So I, I believe he's a Miami Heat type of player for sure. He he got that dog in him. And you know we love those type of players here in Heat Nation. Yeah, definitely. Definitely a two-way guy. He is somewhat of a three-level scorer. We've talked about that before. Um, you know, he's not necessarily the standout guy in that level. But if you were to make that trade, and let's say hypothetically it would cost you Tyler Hero, do you think that's a move you would do if you're Miami? Oh, I don't know about that yet. You know, I don't, I'm not the type of guy that's quick to give up on a guy, you know. I'm not, I'm not so sure about that. Mm. It depends what else comes. It would depend what else comes with the package because, you yes, know, I mean, it's Tyler not Hero, a one-on-one. Yeah, it's yeah, because like Tyler Hero is still for a young player, still one of the elite young players in this league. You know, was he two years removed from high school? Yeah, two and a half, twenty-one years, years old. I mean, you think? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the old days, he'd still be in college. You know, that's the crazy thing to think about with his age. Exactly. So I. I'm not so quick to just up and move, but that's depending on what else is in the package. It could be something that could be considered for sure. Yeah. And, and Tyler's under contract for two years. He basically has an additional year before he becomes a free restricted free agent. And you have to talk about an extension. So, you know, when you're looking at our cap sheet and our roster, having guys like that on low salaries and, and your team like that, you know, you had so much money invested in LeBron and Bosch and Wade that you had to have guys that were on those rookie deals or on those smaller deals to make it fit. And those guys have to be able to contribute. And Tyler does that, you know, with his rookie contract. Exactly. So let's talk about another guy, different position. And we brought him up before as John Collins. And there were uh, rumors again this week. It's kind of like recycled news that the heater involved. They're interested. It's kind of the same teams that are always mentioned. It seems like for every player, uh, he's a restricted free agent this summer. It will be his first real opportunity to get, you know, big money in the NBA off his rookie contract. Likely wants near the max again. And again, Atlanta seems unwilling to pay that high price. And off of their Oof. Eastern Conference Finals run, it's interesting that that's the, the word that's coming out of Atlanta is that they may not want to pay the price to keep him around. What do you think about that with the Heat? And that would not cost you anything. It would just cost you, unless it was a sign-in trade, it would just cost you a significant amount of your salary cap sheet. I really like that. I really like that. I, once again, he's a Miami Heat type of player. He has a, he plays with the edge. He's athletic. He's in shape. You know, he's young and hungry, and he just came off of the Eastern Conference Finals run. So he, he's bringing a little bit of experience for a young player. He's played in some high-leverage, high-intensity battles, which is very important, as you know, you know, being able to bring that intensity level playing for the Heat. And I, he's, he's proven that. And I think his athleticism combined with Bam's athleticism, that can that could be a heck of a front line. That could be a heck of a front line. And they're both right around 23 years old. So it's a long Ooh. term. I mean, oh my that's goodness. a front line for the for the future, too. For the future. That, man, you're talking about especially in the in the East where 
you know, those two guys, Bam and John Collins, are mobile defenders. And when you talk about the Eastern Conference with Joel Embiid on one team, but then you have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown on another team, and then you got Kevin Durant and, you know, James Harden on another team, you need some guys that's athletic that can defend. You know, the offensive part is important as well. We're going to, you know, we know that, but you got to have athletes to compete with these guys. And those are two guys that can be on the court at the same time. That makes that makes for elite rebounding, shot blocking, active defenders. I, I like that a lot. I will. I, I like that fit a lot. Yeah, everything you just said, I agree with. And just like you said with Sexton, he has that dog in him. You saw it in the in the Eastern Conference Finals. He has. He's not afraid to back down from anybody. He'll go at Joel Embiid. He'll go at whoever's in front of him, even if he's yeah. outmatched size wise. Yeah, he's he's yeah. Yeah, Giannis. He he compete. John Collins was you know he was flying, trying to dunk on Giannis and everything. Like he. You know, he's a dog around the basket. Yep. And he's a South Florida guy. I think he's from Palm Beach County, if I remember right. You know, hey, you know, Heat Nation, we we like to take care of our own now. UD, yeah. Hey, UD, yeah. make a call now. We'll, we'll talk to the mayor, right? <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> All right. One more guy uh, actually is already in a Heat roster or in a Heat uniform, I should say, and that's Duncan Robinson. If his price tag is getting up to, you know, they talk about Joe Harris money, 18 and a half million a year, maybe even higher. Is there a number or, you know, maybe not looking at a number, but it, I think we agree that his value is very high. But at what point does it seem like you almost have to consider other options if he's going to be that high of a price? What do you think Duncan's value is to the Heat and how how strong should we try to retain him? Um, well, as a player, you know, I'm going to say get as much as you can. But as an organization, you know, there, there has to be – you know, you 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 definitely want to pay the man. You know, he's he's put the time in, he's put the work in, he's shown the value. But you also have to be reasonable. You know, you have to be reasonable because there are other needs that needs to be addressed. He, he's a shooter. That's what he is. You know, that's 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 what he is. He's a sniper. But in in, in this league, you, we also have to build a complete roster. So you don't want to be, you know, handicapped too high by just you know by just adding a sniper. You know. Now, if he was, you know, he had a little bit, uh, just a little bit more to his game, I would say almost, almost a max type of contract because his shooting is so elite. You know, if he could play a little, just a little bit off the bounce, kind of like Tyler Hero with his shooting ability. If you take Tyler Hero's ball handling ability and Duncan Robinson's shooting, you talk about, a you know, a potential max player, <laughs> you know, but uh, you got to be reasonable. You got to give him a deal where he's going to feel respected. But a deal where he also was like, listen, we, you know, we got to keep the integrity of the team because, you know, we have to build a competitive roster because the East is only getting stronger. And I think I think they can come up with a happy, you know, with a happy medium. Yeah, I'm definitely on the on the keeping him around bandwagon. The cost, you know, like you said, he definitely deserves the opportunity. You know, he's basically came from, you know, nowhere out of the G right. worked his way up. He's one of the best shooters in the NBA. So you, can't, you definitely can't hate on him for trying to get that first big contract. I mean, that's what you put that work in for, you know, but the question I guess becomes, you know, you look at guys that may be available for lower contracts, uh, you know, just throwing names out like a Wayne Ellington or a JJ Redick that are older guys that can shoot. They're not to the level of Duncan Robinson. He is an elite, elite shooter, but can you find guys like that maybe on a more of a bargain or can you find guys that maybe bring two ways, you know, they can play defense a little bit better than Duncan does 
it's, it's a tough question. I don't know if there is a right answer. It's one of those things that the heat front office, as they're trying to assemble all the pieces together, I think have to figure out, like you said, to build a complete roster, because if you give him all that money, how do you build and fill in the rest of the pieces to make this, you know, what Miami wants is that's championship roster. Exactly. And then that's, and you know what, that's something Pat Riley is always thinking about. So you don't even have to worry about that. He understands we, they, they're trying to compete for a championship. They know that Brooklyn is not going anywhere. Philly is not going anywhere. The Bucks are not going anywhere. And the Celtics are not, are not going anywhere. They understand that. And, and, and you have to build a roster that can compete with that. And so, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, Pat has a number in mind. And I believe that, I believe Duncan will accept it, whatever it is. And, you know, cause he's, like you said, he's coming from, you know, the grassroots. <laughs> and I, I think he'll feel, he'll feel appreciated. And I think it also leave the team with, you know, still some cap space in order to make some moves. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, we did have a couple of listener questions and, and one of those relates to the Heat's player development program. So talking about Duncan, you know, is a great example of that. And over the course of Heat history, there are tons of examples of great player development players that like Duncan were basically brought out of nowhere and then grew into stars in the Miami uniform. So, you know, as someone that has been in that program that has worked with maybe not some of the coaches that are on the staff now, but have been, you know, part of that, that workout program, what do you think about the Heat's player development program and, and maybe, you know, finding guys and developing guys, you know, from the inside, what do you, what did you see or what did you experience when we were part of that? Well, one, one thing is <laughs> being in shape is a big, is a big key. That's, that's one thing the, the heat, you know, fitness program, <laughs> weight and body fat bill for Rand every Friday, you know, every time you come home from a road trip, you know, you got weight and body fat the next day. Um, that's, that's a major key because your fitness level is, how we can play the style of play, you know, we're known for being physical. We're known for playing at a pace. So that's, that's the first key, you know, getting your body in tip top shape. Cause once your body's in shape, you can demand of it, whatever you want it to do. And then after that, it's just, you know, working on details of the game. Um, if you're a guy, say you're a shooter and you're going to be spaced out coming off a lot of pin downs, um, the guys are going to have you doing a bunch of those things, cone drills coming off pin downs and stuff like that in your offseason development so that you're comfortable in your role in the court. And of course, you work on some of your weaknesses as well, but you know, they help you work on where you're going to fit in at on the court. And so if you're going to be flashing to the high post like Bam or do, doing dribble handoffs, picking and popping, you know, you're going to be putting a lot of drill work situations like that in the summertime in the offseason. And then in open gyms, they, they're going to expect you to work on that and see that so that you can be more comfortable when the season starts. And so I would say those are the two major things that they make sure that you're in shape and then they watch the film and see where you can fit in and they work on those things. Yeah, definitely. I, you know, I think when you compare it to the rest of the league, we have, if not the best, one of the best. I think the Spurs you can compare. I think the Raptors you can compare of over the course of the last 15 to 20 years bringing guys up like a Duncan Robinson over the course of Pat Riley's tenure since 95, you've had a lot of these examples too. It's um, it's where you get into that heat culture, heat mentality that you talked about earlier, finding guys that fit into that mold and the consistency that we have in this, um, this program that those guys fit. And if they don't fit they're they're likely gone pretty soon after that. Absolutely. It's just, it's pretty simple. 
It's that Pat Riley quote that you're either in or you're out. There's no in between, right? That's that's a fact. You either, either all in, you're either all in or you're all out. No in between. All right. So let's transition to the NBA Finals. So since we last talked, uh, we've seen three games. It's now 2-1 Suns. Getting very interesting. Uh, we're going to release this episode on Wednesday. That'll be game four. Huge game. I mean, pivotal, pivotal game. I would almost say the winner of game four might win the series because it can either be a tied up 2-2 or it could be 3-1 Suns. What have you seen over the last week? Maybe not just game three, but you know, overall observations from this series since we last talked. Well, I, I see, you know, the, the Bucks fed off home court, Mike um, like post too, and same with Phoenix. Devin Booker, you know, his, you know, his consistent play in the first two games is a major key, you know, why they won the first two and DeAndre Aiden. Aiden. Giannis kind of totally took him out of the game in game three by getting him in foul trouble because Aiden had 12 points, I believe, in the first quarter. He was on pace to having an, another, you know, breakout game. But Giannis attacking him and attacking him and attacking him, got him in foul trouble. And once he had to go out the game, there was – Literally no answer for Giannis. And so I believe, you know, this next game, whichever role players play the best, you know, whichever is kind of cliche, but whichever stars play better, you know, right now, you know, game three, Milwaukee's stars play better. Game one and two, Devin Booker and Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton, and uh, Mikael Bridges, they outplayed the you know the, the top players for the Bucks. It's kind of it was kind of pretty simple. And then you know Payne in the second unit, the role players, you know played better. So it's it's kind of the cliche: whichever bench plays better, whichever stars play better, that's what's going to happen. That's what's going to win. And Giannis made free throws too. I had to don't want to leave that out. The fact that Giannis was able to make those free throws was so important. And Phoenix missed free throws that they typically typically make. Like I think Devin Booker missed two free throws. Uh, Chris Paul missed some free throws. So normally, you know, Phoenix is the better free throw shooting team. But this game, you know, the Bucks shot extremely well from free throw. So it'll be interesting to see if that can happen again. When you talk about those role players, uh, there's kind of an old adage that goes: the role players play better when they're at home. And and so far, we've seen that the Phoenix role players play better in games one and two. The Bucks were game three and probably tomorrow night in game four. So, you know, as someone that, you know, shined in that role with the big three heat, do you believe that's true? Why is that? You know, what do you, what do you think about that? That's definitely true. The role players play better at home, but for the team that wins, the role players take their game on the road too. You know, the, the, the role players definitely, that's a fact, you know, playing on your home court, sleeping in your own bed, feeding off the energy. Cause most, most role players are energetic players. So, you know, when you have that extra boost with the home crowd, it gives you that extra oomph that you need. But, you know, the ones that can take their game on the road, you know, I think that's that's how you that's how you break the difference. And talking about Giannis, you know, the last two games, he's been just remarkable. And when we talked a week ago, we didn't even know if he was going to play. You know, it was Man. leaning that way, but it was still very questionable. And his production is incredible. I mean, he – you could almost argue – is playing better than anyone in the series. I, I think, you know, over the course of three games, he's almost been unstoppable. If you're the Suns, do you feel like there's an adjustment that maybe needs to be made to limit him getting into the paint? And, and by a result of that, you may open up 
some more Chris Middleton open shots or some Drew Holiday open shots or maybe some of their role players? Or do you stick with the game plan and, and maybe Giannis gets his, but you limit other people? Um, I believe that the game plan has been the same. It's just that kind of Giannis kind of outplayed it, you know, which is what great players do, you know. But I, I think they're trying to keep him out the paint, but his ability to rebound the ball, you know, you can't, you can't account for that. You know, that's not a drive to the basket. That's a paint touch by just going to get the ball off the board. And, you know, drawing fouls, you know, his ability to draw fouls and, and go to the free throw line, he made a lot of points off of free throws. And normally they've been fouling him and he's been missing. So they have to see, <laughs> they have to, they have to see if he's going to keep making them, you know, before they can make a real adjustment. To me, I believe that Phoenix should do this, continue to, you know, try to wall off the paint, throw bodies at him, you know, and fouling when he, you know, when he's in a, when he's in a position that he has an advantage, you have to foul him and see if he can make those free throws before you make any huge adjustments. Yeah. And you mentioned it earlier with Aiton getting in foul trouble. If there's a weakness in Phoenix's depth, it's inside because with Saric being hurt and out for the rest of the series, now you have, Kaminsky that played a little bit, and he's not an answer for Giannis. Torrey Craig right. is a little bit more mobile, uh, but doesn't have the size. Jay Crowder has the strength. You know, he did a great job against him last year with Miami, but he can't do it alone either. I mean, Giannis is so much bigger than him. They've tried Bridges there, who has the length, but not necessarily the strength. You know, there's so many different options, but none of them are really good options. It's really about team defense and, and like you said, protecting Aiton and trying to him keep him from getting in foul trouble. And Giannis is just so good. I just, you know, there, there might not actually be an answer to keeping him from the paint. He's seven foot tall, super athletic, super long. I mean, it, it, some of the times you just don't have an answer to stop him. I, I agree. I believe that we got, we got, we have to, uh, we have to just give the man a credit. Look, Giannis is, is one of the best players in the league. Like I know he's, I know he's had some failures in the past and the postseason, but Giannis is showing that, Hey, he was a two-time MVP for a reason, back-to-back -back for a reason. And he's putting together, you know, performances that are like all-time great performances. And so he's, he, he is that good, even though he has glaring weaknesses. But when he plays to his strength, he's unstoppable. When he plays to his strength, when he attacks the paint, when he draws a lot of fouls, when he's, you know, getting the ball in that left block, making that right, right shoulder turnaround jumper, when he's doing those things, he's unstoppable. And so, you know, you you can plan for – you can have your game plan for him like you do every star. But, you know, you have to hope just to hope that they're off sometime. <laughs> yeah, I agree. So let's move into predictions. We talked last week before the series started, and you had said Suns and Six. How are you feeling about that? We always give you the option or give us the option of uh, editing our picks and uh, let you – Either keep your pick or uh, make an adjustment if you feel need. Um, right now I'm gonna stick with it. Right now I'm gonna stick with it. Uh, I have to see how Game Four goes, but right now I'm gonna stick with it. I, I believe Milwaukee did what they were supposed to do. They were supposed to win at home. They fed off that energy. They took you know two losses on the chin, and so they, of course, I was expecting a good reaction. I don't believe Devin Booker is going to have another game like that. I hope he doesn't have another game like that. Um, if he does, then, you know, I, I could potentially change my pick. But right now, I believe that that was an anomaly. I don't think he'll have that type of game. I don't think Aiton will allow himself to be in foul trouble again. I think he's going to watch film. He's going to learn from his mistakes. And so I'm going to stick with that pick. 
And I agree. I still think Phoenix, even if they lose game four, I know I said earlier, I think the winner of game four might win it all. I think Phoenix is the better team. And, you know, I could be wrong, but I'm just glad it's a good series. It's competitive. I think overall for the three games combined, the point difference is like three points. So it's been very competitive, even though the last game was a blowout. You know, it's good basketball. Ultimately, that's all you could really ask for. If you're not a fan of one of those two teams, you just want a good basketball series. Exactly. All right. So two more questions, and then we're going to close things up. These were from our listeners, and one of them relates to the finals. And uh, you talked about Devin Booker. He's one of those many guys that are playing in their first NBA finals. And so the question was asked, what was the biggest thing you learned playing on that stage as a rookie? Um, You know, a lot of these guys aren't rookies, but they're playing in their first finals. You were a rookie playing in your first finals and playing in those games. So what did you learn? What's different about the finals maybe compared to the playoffs and especially the regular season? Well, the attention to detail and, and the intensity level that you have to compete at, you know, that's the biggest thing that I learned. And, you know, I was already an intense player and, you know, I was used to playing in, I had never played in an NBA championship game, but I was used to playing in championship games, you know, high school, you know, college. Um, so, you know, I, I enjoy, I enjoy playing at those highest leverage moments, but, you know, for a first time, you know, for 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 a player, you know, like Devin Booker and like Aiden, those guys, you know, they're playing at the highest, highest level. And so that the intensity and the attention to detail is the biggest thing that you notice when you're when you're playing at that high level, because the smallest mistake could, could cost you, you know, one one misassignment, you know, could get a player going and that could cost you a game, which could potentially cost you a series. And so. You know, the intensity level and the attention to detail is the biggest thing that I that I could take away, you know, playing, you know, playing in, in, in any championship game that I've ever played in. And one more question coming again from a listener. Uh, what is the player in the league right now that reminds you the most of yourself? Oh, man, I don't I don't even know how to answer that. I don't I never look at a player and think of me. I, that's something I, I never do. Um, I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can. I don't have one. I'm, I think I'm stumped on that one. I don't get stumped a lot, but I might be stumped on that one. I don't know if there is a player that plays like me that I can think of. I'll tell you what, and it's a little bit unrelated to the question, but last week we recorded with uh, Five Reasons Sports and uh, did a kind of a reflection looking back at the big three days. And Norris was great with Ethan and Greg and Alex. And, uh, you know, the fan reaction to that, the, the love that Heat Nation, you've talked about this before, but the love that Heat Nation has for you is it's unreal. And not that it's not deserved. Don't take me the wrong way. But like, <laughs> it's so cool to see, you know, when we were posting those things or they were posting it, you know, to get people to listen to it, the reactions that people had and the replies and comments and things like that. So, you know, when you said, I don't know if there is a player like me, it's interesting to see how, you know, years later, how much love there still is from Heat Nation for you as someone that only was here for a few years, but those great years that people remember. And I know you definitely appreciate that. I'll let you talk about that, but something that I took away from that. Man, I, I appreciate the fans so much, man. Anytime you work hard and people acknowledge your hard work and they en- actually enjoy your style of play and enjoy your personality, that's just you know, that just brings you joy, joy to your heart. And so, I, you know, I definitely appreciate Heat Nation. Um, I appreciate how they appreciate me. You know, I appreciate that they, you know, know the work that I put in. You know, they appreciate my style of play, my, you know, my toughness, my tenacity, my 
winning team spirit attitude. I, I just appreciate that they, they appreciate me. Definitely. And so as we wrap up, if you enjoy the Miami Heat podcast, which is presented by Bet Online, please like or subscribe wherever you listen to our podcast. It's quick and easy. But if you can rate and review, hit those five stars for the champ and myself. We're working hard to bring you great heat content and definitely appreciate your support. Thank you for tuning in. And Norris, please close us out. Heat Nation, another episode. Got the champ, Sean. <laughs> Don't that sound good, Sean? I like it. I like it. Got the champ, Sean. Got the champ, cold-blooded. Team USA. Make sure y'all join us on another episode. Make sure y'all keep watching. Make sure y'all keep liking. Make sure y'all keep subscribing. Leave us comments. Let us know what you think. And we out! Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.